Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Father-Son Packers podcast, your source for Packers news, notes, and analysis. My name is Tommy. I'm one of your hosts here, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, my dad, Matt. Dad, how are you doing? Doing well. Um, ready for more? We've got, we actually had activity on a field. Yeah, it's exciting. Yeah, since the last time we talked, last time, if you don't remember, we broke down the Packers draft, a bit of a you know, how we, we were how we were feeling in the moment. And then we talked a little bit, uh, deep dive into Lucas Van Ness. Today, we're going to be doing a bit of a discussion on the two tight ends the Packers took in this draft, Luke Musgrave and Tucker Craft, as well as discussing a few other things. We're going to be doing these episodes as we go, a couple players in each single one, because we got some time until activities start up again. Although we did just have rookie minicamp this past weekend, and we got some stuff coming down the vine with OTAs, et cetera, et cetera. But we got stuff to talk about here. We talked about the draft last week as a whole, if you want to go check that out. And we talked about Lucas Van Ness last week, if you want to go check that out. But today, like I said, we're going to be talking about Musgrave and Kraft, who we're both really excited to chat about. But before we do that, just wanted to pitch a couple of things. If you like what you heard, come follow us on Twitter, at FatherSonPacker. We tweet out when we have new episodes, articles we find interesting, uh, interviews, news, analysis, etc., etc. And if you like what you heard even more, come subscribe to us on your uh platform of choice for podcasts you can find us on spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, etc and you can also find us on youtube we post all our episodes there as well so so come hit that subscribe button it'll really help our numbers but dad so we got two tight ends to talk about but before that we got some news that hit uh from since right. our last episode until this one right and as we were talking about last time we were just before the deadline for the packers to exercise love's fifth-year option, and they hadn't said what they are going to do, really, one way or the other. And so the day that that deadline came due, they actually signed Love to an extension. And wait, than... can I just uh, can I just interject here? One of us was right about what was going to happen, and it was me. I said they might extend him. You said they were going to give him the fifth-year option, and I would, like, take my little victory lap right now. But break it down, Dad. I think Field Yates has the details. Field Yates of ESPN tweeted out essentially the details of this contract extension. But yeah, and pretty much what it means is it's a little less guaranteed. Are you still taking your victory lap? Of course. It's a little less guaranteed money for Love, a little higher ceiling if he hits some incentives, but take it away, break it down. Right. So what he he got in return was a $13.5 million guaranteed. The tag would have been 20.7 or 20.9 million guaranteed, something like that. He does have a higher max... um, $22.5 $22.5 million max. So a little less guaranteed, but a higher maximum amount. He gets a signing bonus now of eight point, almost $8.8 million. So that, that's money he has in hand right away. While the, the fifth-year extension, he wouldn't start getting money until from that till September of 2024, because that is a salary that comes in like game checks. And so he got the money a lot earlier this way. His base salary actually, I think this year went down to 1.01 million from, I forget, two point, down from two point, almost 2.3 million. And then as can be up to 9 million in guarantees, which the way they're written, they're not necessarily like likely to be earned. And so if he gets them, they would end up getting put onto the 2024 cap. Um, but it does end up splitting his value, his, his, contract value a bit more under this year and next year and i think there may also yeah. be some void years um, in terms so. of no i don't believe there are any void years but in terms of cap hit 
it does hit more on this year than next year. So and more than and more than it would have by by several million dollars. Yes, and I think the big thing here is a lot of people. I've heard takes all over the spectrum. Well, not all over the spectrum. I think I've seen takes that have said this is a big win for the Packers. I've seen takes that said this is a big win-win. I think where I land on it, it is it is a big win-win. Um, for the Packers, you're not committing as much guaranteed money to, like, if Love struggles this year, you have more of an out next year where you didn't need to take the fifth-year option. And you also don't need to be in that awkward position of not accepting the fifth-year option and not showing confidence in Love. And then right. if he's and, good... And like not having no contract for, for, the, for 2024 would be... A weird way to play 2023 and be very surprising and wouldn't be a good way to go about being, you know, negotiating for the next year if they wanted to. Exactly. And I think they didn't want to end up in the whatever $40 million for Daniel Jones kind of territory either. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a few different ways this go. There's the Daniel Jones where the Giants didn't pick up his fifth-year option. He had essentially the best year of his career, but in a one-year sample size, that's kind of scary, and they were forced to give him a massive contract, not forced to. I mean, if he plays well, it's worth it, but you're pretty much banking on one year of production, which would be the place the Packers would have been if they had if Love played well and they had declined his fifth-year option and didn't extend him. Or there's the Sam Darnold where the Panthers picked up his fifth-year option and then he played very poorly, and they were had all this guaranteed money on the books for him, paying essentially a subpar starter, massive first-round pick amount of money. Um, and you don't want to be in either of those scenarios, really. So this was a nice, happy medium. And on Love's side, I saw some people say that this was him betting against himself because he would not be able to earn as much money as quickly. And to that I say, if he plays well this year, he's going to get extended next, next offseason anyway. I think if he plays, like, to the level where he would get an extension, like, he's he's probably going to get extended next offseason. They're not even going to let him hit free agency. So, to me, it's I think it's a win for him because he gets money up front. He gets a little security in case of, God forbid, knock on wood, injury. Um, and, yes, he stands to make less money next year, but he has the safety net, essentially. And I, I don't think they would let him play out that year under this extension. I think if he plays really well this year, I think they would just give him a longer term contract because they wouldn't want to let him get to free agency. That's my take. If, yeah, if he balls out this year, I think they'll rework the contract and extend it in a way that would increase 2024 if he's really killing it this year. Yeah. Otherwise, the Packers have 2 years to evaluate how good he is. Yeah. If he's Although, not like if he's kind of, you know, kind of looking good, maybe one other year see if he improves. And if he's like Sam Darnold, then I think the kind of good thing is a little scary because well, that's, they do that's part of what the Daniel Jones giants, what they call that situation where you're stuck with a mid-level quarterback that you have to pay a high um, price tag to. Yeah. It's a little, it's a little scary if he plays kind of good because the, in my opinion, next year would be the year where you, when you have presumably two first round picks, assuming that the jets pick conveys to a first would be the year you would try and move up for a quarterback is, is the one thought. It's like, if he plays kind of good, do you, do you risk waiting a year when you have premium draft capital and you could take one of the like better quarterbacks in what is supposed to be a good quarterback class? I don't know, but that's something we can discuss down the line. That is not a problem right now. Jordan love is going to be great. We, you heard it here I first. I saw some stats. I forget who posted this or tweeted it. That he had 
the highest percentage of on-target passes in the entire league for quarterbacks over, I forget how many passes. He was number one with Is like 93%. Quarterbacks over seven passes? <laughs> like, he, no. I think he only threw like, I, he might have had 15 attempts last year. <laughs> I, I don't – I can't imagine he threw the ball more than 20 times. I mean, let's see. He got game action against Philly, which is when I think a lot of people were like, oh, not bad. Not bad at all. Uh, and then he got – did he even have other game action outside of that Philly game? Yes. He came in at the end of the Minnesota game. Ah, yes, He also yes. played some of the Jets game. Played in some of both Minnesota games, actually. I was gonna say, and, I was gonna say the first Minnesota game, right? It actually hasn't been here. Both, and he had, yeah. So he did not that, that did not have that many. It's only twenty one attempts. I was gonna say it's like it's not more than thirty. It was, was sixty two in twenty twenty one, but it's only twenty one last year. Yeah, because he didn't even start a game last year, which is part of the reason that they didn't give him the fifth year option. Is you know who the you know who the lowest number of like game appearances is for it was like 30 and he would have been like had one and we so, talked about that last episode yes. where the lowest was patrick Mahomes that's right like 31 and he would have had, had one one <laughs> and so i was like okay that's uh that's tough but anyway that's pretty much where we stand on the jordan love contract situation but as we record here on the night of wednesday may 10th he did have his first presser as the starter for the Green Bay Packers today. And he had some, uh, you know, mostly just kind of run-of-the-mill, you know, excited to get started, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But there were certainly a few quotes that I found interesting pulling from this interview. Um, namely, uh, just going to kind of run through, like, my breakdown of what I thought. I thought, you know, he seemed very calm and level, like, kind of just how he is as a person. He's just kind of smooth and even keeled, I would say is the best way to put it. Um, he said he got some, uh, his training and prep hasn't changed since like he knew he was going to be the starter. Um, but he has been able to get some more, uh, work with guys outside of the system. Now that he's going to be a starter, he worked with Aaron Jones and Romeo Dobbs out in California this, uh, off season. Yeah. And there were um, some, there's some clips of that as well. Uh, videos when that happened. Yeah. With Jones, especially. And then, uh, says he's learned a lot from being able to watch Rodgers the last three years, but that the last three years have felt kind of long. Um, uh, says the hardest time for him was when Rodgers re-signed uh, or had his contract extension last offseason because I think the quote was, okay, well, where do we go from here? What do I do? Because, you know, he's a guy, like, he's a competitor. He was a first-round pick. Um, a lot of people had him as a first-round pick in that draft, and he he wants to play. I mean, he wants to compete. Players um, always want to play. Do you want to sit exactly. on the bench? you want to play? you want to play? Yep. You want to play. And so he said that was really tough, but just kind of kept set down, kept working. Um, and I think the other interesting thing, the, the quote he kind of ended on was, we all know that it's ups and downs in this sport. And he said, quote, I know it's not going to be easy this year. One thing I do is I tell myself every day that I'm good enough. It's never as good as you think it is. It's never as bad as you think it is, um, was kind of how he was, was talking about. I think the question was with regards to how is he going to handle like rough patches in the year because – you know, it was a very young roster, which he said he's very excited to grow with this um, skill position group and this roster around him. But it is a very young team, and I think we should expect some bumps along the road. Um, but just some interesting quotes from that. Um, like I said, I thought he was, like, very level and even-keeled and seemed very comfortable in front of the mic. And, I mean, he has been doing this for three years now. But, you know, step one, 
be comfortable in front of the mic, be comfortable being the face of the franchise if you're the quarterback. And I thought he uh, purported himself pretty well. So it was a pretty nondescript press conference, though, overall. Uh, they also had Kenny Clark and Aaron Jones on uh, press conferences today. Um, those are also pretty pretty standard stuff. And, and I think both of them also talked about love a little bit as well. Yeah. Um, Supporting I think Kenny, him or yeah. whatever. Like Aaron Jones said, uh, I think the, the quote I saw from Jones that was very, that was, that was fun was like, uh, you know, there's nothing more fun than proving someone wrong, and I think we're going to prove a lot of people wrong this year or something like that, which is Super exciting. Bowl, baby. Hey, why not? You know, why not? But anyway, those are the main pieces of news from Packers land. So let's get into the meat and potatoes of this episode, as we like to say. And let's talk about these two meat tight ends that the Packers... <laughs> the meat potatoes. Uh, that the Packers have drafted this year. And those are Luke Musgrave out of Oregon State and Tucker Craft out of San... Uh, I almost, almost said San Diego State again. Out of South Dakota <laughs> State. Different SDSU. But, Dad, let's start with Luke Musgrave. Yeah, the, the weather's a little different between those two places as well. <laughs> Just a touch. Let's start with... Imagine somebody going from... Somebody from Southern California going... It's like, going what's to, going on here? Going to South Dakota State on accidents? Like, this uh, is not the beach. Um, Where but, are the palm trees? <laughs> let's talk first about Luke Musgrave, their first second-round pick. Uh, pick. Pick number 42, tight end of Oregon State. 22.6 years old, so he's going to be 22 years old at the start of the season, I believe. And, Dad, what was your initial reaction when they picked Luke Musgrave? So I was I was excited that we were getting one of the top tight ends. I was I was hoping we were getting one. It wasn't necessarily my first choice. And at the time, you know, I was actually thinking of Darnell Washington from uh, Georgia, who turned out later we found out that he's had got some kind of knee issue that he's not that worried about. Apparently, I was hearing somebody talk about that. It was some, that he had some inflammation after the combine, but uh, he was killing it at the combine. But anyway, it was enough. Apparently, to spook a few teams, and probably including more, the Packers, more than a few. I mean, he fell all the way to the pretty much he, he mid to end to of the pick, third round. Pick ninety three, yeah, yeah. End of the third round. So he he dropped a lot because some people were talking about it being a possible first rounder. So obviously, some people were concerned about that. We'll see what happens. Hopefully, um, for his sake, it uh, all turns out to be nothing, and he's good to go. But the Packers went with Musgrave. Um, so he was got, he was one of your top tight ends. Is what is what you were saying though. Yeah, there were there were a few tight ends that I preferred, and probably the ones I was most interested in were um, Washington, Musgrave, Laporta, and Kraft. Mm-hmm. Cool. We'll Kincaid, talk about shortly. We didn't see any testing, so maybe if he had done t- done testing, maybe he would have been on the top. Yeah. So for me, my. Did you have anything else you wanted to add to your initial reaction? Just for the or... initial reaction, that was kind of it. I was excited. We were getting them. It's like, okay, we got one of the top five-ish. Uh, yeah. He was the like the fourth one to go up, come off the board. Yeah, and for me, I think my initial reaction when the pick was made was like, I was just excited that we were getting some pass catchers, some investment in the skill positions. Because specifically at tight end, uh, the cupboard was really bare. And I knew we needed a tight end. It was a good tight end class. It was a great time to take a tight end. Um, Musgrave in particular would have been, I think, fourth or fifth for me. I think I I liked, if I remember correctly, um, I liked Washington as my highest tight end, obviously without knowing medicals, and then Laporta, and then Kincaid, and then Mm -hmm. I think Musgrave Craft were kind of four or five for me. Yeah, um, I was a little sad to see Laporta go earlier in that round to the 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 Lions. Lions. Yep, 
But for me, I, I was excited about the investment of pass catcher because I think the number one thing this year is, is Jordan Love good? And in order yep. to know that, you got to surround him with some more talent than we currently had on the roster. And so I was excited about the investment there, I think, more than anything. Um, excited to get more athleticism, more speed on the field. And let's talk a little bit about that athleticism and speed. Because as we are going to do with all these prospects, we're going to talk a little bit about their physical profile, their production profile. We're going to talk a little bit about what scouts have said about them, what the Packers have said about them. But let's start with that physical profile. And just to break it down, Luke Musgrave is an athletic freak. He's really big. He is six foot five and a half, I believe. Five and uh, seven eighths. Five and seven eighths. So almost six foot six, um, which is on the upper echelon of size. 253 pounds and um, with 32 and a half, 32 and five eighths inch arms. Um, so and, and pretty big hands, 10 and three eighths. Yeah, 10 and 3 eighths inch hands, so also very big. He had a relative athletic score, a RAS of 9.78, which is obviously elite. Um, didn't put up a ton of reps on the bench, only 19, but his vertical jump was 36 inches, which was close to the 90th percentile for tight ends. Um, his broad jump was over 10 feet, which is is well above the 90th percentile for tight ends. An elite 40-yard dash of 4.61. Some people thought he was going to run even faster than that. Um, elite 20 yard split, elite 10 yard split shuttle and three cone were just about average with a 4.41 shuttle and a 7.09 three cone, but you know, nothing to really throw his RAS completely away. And so really athletic, really big. Um, and some comparisons in terms of RAS that were similar were Travis Kelsey out of Cincinnati. <laughs> so that would be pretty cool. Greg Olson out of Miami. You might know him also would be pretty awesome. Uh, Bucky Hodges out of Virginia Tech, Jelani Woods out of Virginia from last year, and then Daniel Bellinger out of San Diego State from last year. Uh, Jelani Woods, who's on the Colts, I believe now, and Daniel Bellinger, who's on the Giants. Uh, yeah, per- and people are high on both of them. I think they could actually turn out to be so. Both both Woods and um, Bellinger, I think, had some encouraging things in their rookie years. Yeah, and obviously, this is just in terms of this is just athleticism in terms of who they're similar to doesn't necessarily mean stylistically they're like these players at all, but just, you know, it's good to have good athletic comps. Um, and per play pro player profiler.com, he has a 94th percentile speed score an 87th percentile burst score and an 84th percentile catch radius with a 71st percentile spark, uh, X score. And the comp on player profiler is Dawson Knox, who's also had a very nice, uh, start to his career with Buffalo. So, that's kind of his athleticism profile and how he's looking there. Obviously, a lot of things that you want to see, good size. Uh, could maybe stand to add a few pounds. Yep. He does look a little skinny out there, I think. As of right now, he, he could he use does. some more. He looks kind of lean when you watch. We talked about that a little bit. I noticed that as well when we were looking at our two prospects. He actually he looks a little lean running out there. Yeah, I mean, Not quite six... as lean as, say, um, uh, what's his name? Koontz. Uh, um, another Koontz. Zach? Is that Koontz? Yeah, who I think um, ended up going in the seventh round. Yes, and he went to the Jets. That's the right. Yes, round. yes. And he was the guy. Who was like, well, maybe they should grab a third tight end. He was the guy who's got the ten point oh ras, the <laughs> top one ever. Yeah, but so I think he is a little thin. Could use could stand to put on some weight if he's gonna. I mean, he played in line and um, flexed out in the slot, and even flexed out wide at times for Oregon State. Um, but we'll talk about that a little bit when we talk about production profile, uh, when you talk about that in a second, Dad. But is there anything you wanted to add in athleticism? I think the main takeaways are really elite athlete, really smooth mover, fast, explosive. Agilities you are... You mentioned his senior bowl. Uh, 
Oh no, go ahead and uh, yeah, yeah, go ahead and bring that up. One reason why people thought he might have a, a better forty than he ended up was he set the record for tight ends in on-field speed at Senior Bowl. So they've had five years of testing now, and he was the first tight end to ever get above twenty miles per hour. Yeah, and essentially what what happens is they have essentially tracker chips in their jerseys, and it it measures essentially speed, di- um, position um, on the field, max, et cetera, right. et cetera. It, it measures total distance, max acceleration, max deceleration, and um, maximum miles per hour for the players while they're on the field. And so he hit the fastest ever time recorded for a tight end um, yeah. at the Senior Bowl. Yeah, some people were thinking he was going to like crack a high four fours, low four fives in the 40. And so, you know, four, six, one, when, when that was your expectations is a little disappointing, but still super yeah. fast for a tight end. And he plays really freaking fast. Right. So he's fast on the field. He's not just, you know, underwear Olympic champion. He's, he's uh, hitting this speed in full, full gear. Yeah. And his 10 and... yard split is really elite. I mean, you talk about the speed of the 10 yard split at one, five, four is a 98.7 percentile. And... So really, really twitchy and bursty. And that's something we'll talk about when we talk about our impressions of the player. But let's uh, move on to his production profile because we, so there are some definitely some interesting numbers here from PFF in terms of how he was used. He wasn't used a whole lot. So that is one of the this issues is with him the, as a prospect. on him. Uh, t- if I talk about that, you know, we talk about first about how he's lined up. Um, and he's doing a little bit more... He do, did both in line and in the slot. So he's actually a little more heavily lined up in line than, than in the slot. So a little bit more split than, than I realized. I was thinking he was going to be like heavily um, weighted towards slot snaps, but he actually has slightly more inline snaps than slot. He doesn't have that much production. So, so he's well, had one thing, one career. thing to keep, one thing to keep in mind is that Oregon state is a more run heavy offense. And right. so, you're, and and that's almost a good thing in some ways because you're not, I've heard several people say you're not going to get on the field if you don't block for them. So so he's at least given effort as a blocker, which we'll talk about in a bit. He doesn't, though but it is interesting to, to note that. He was talking about, like, he's, he's getting a decent number of snaps and not many targets. But in his receiving grade last year was 79.2%. We've seen his progression every year. So in 2020, his, um, his overall grade was only 56%. And then 2021, it was 60%. And then last year, it was 72.5%. His run blocking grade is kind of meh, um, 54%. He only had one drop last year and generally thought to have good hands. Um, so for his career, he's had 47 catches for 633 yards. So that's 13.5 yards per catch and 31.6 yards per game. If you look at just the last two years, he's averaging more like 14.3 yards per catch and 39.4 yards per game. So a little bit up. And he really was looking like he was going to have his breakout year this year. In his first two games. Um, against he, Boise State and Fresno State. Against Boise State and Fresno State. He had, what was it, 169 yards on 11 catches in with only 15 targets. Yeah. Per NFL draft. Buzz.com. He produced a QB rating of 93 when targeted. This year or, or for his career? I, that I'm not. Uh, okay. I, not I just wanted to ask. Sure. Okay. I'm not 100% sure if that was career or this year. And um, per player, player profiler, his target share was 12.5% in 2021 
And then it increased to 29% in 2022 for those two games. Went way up. And also his catch percentage went was 55% in 2021 and then up to 73% um, at the start of 2022. So he was really looking like he was going to because I think they decided to use him more. And they basically like, hey, this guy's their best player. Maybe we should get the ball in his hands. I know, right? Uh, and so, what a novel concept. <laughs> and so that's what I think was happening. And then, unfortunately, it kind of got derailed. Um, but, it, of course, it, he had continued that season. They would not have been able to get him where they got him. He would him. have been like, a, you know, ten to, between 10 and 15 overall pick he, with, his, with that testing. Yeah. And that much productivity. And the thing is, it's like, the reason they were able to get him where they got him, he, he suffered a pretty devastating knee injury. Um, so that is something to keep an eye on. They obviously felt comfortable with it um, enough to draft him where they did with a top 50 pick. So the Packers clearly feel okay with it. He did have a pretty severe knee injury, but he was still able to participate in the Senior Bowl, like we said. Was still and able to do the combine. to get there for the, yeah. for the Senior Bowl. So, oh, one I, other thing I, I want to mention about his stats, like his yards per route run were really good this year. It was like over three yeah. yards per route runs. Like excellent. And the thing is, is like this year he was so much, you, I mean, it was only two games, but he was like, he was clearly better than he had been previously. And the thing that like, he had a lot of drops the previous year. But he seemed to be kind of, his hands had kind of come together a bit this year. And so it's like, that is something that we can talk about when we talk about our personal impressions of the player. The hands don't always seem natural, but the drops had kind of cleaned themselves up a little bit this year for those two games. Now, whether or not that's just a small sample size thing, because I believe he had like nine or so drops on not that many targets in this previous year. And so that is something to keep an eye on is I don't think he has the most natural hands. He's got a pretty good catch radius and he's, pretty good at like plucking the ball out of the air away from the frame of his body, which but like, like sliding, well, sliding and catching it. But he and, does you know, sometimes kind of double catch it. He double catches. He catches with it. He does. He body catches. He has concentration drops. I would say more than anything. And the Packers are clearly comfortable with taking players like this because they took Watson who had concentration drops. I think Romeo Dobbs. That was part of his profile as well coming out, but we'll talk about that. Um, is there anything else in terms of production? Because you know, so, so one thing that's a little baby of a flag is his yards after catch per reception is not very high. Only three and a half. Well, let's let's start talking about our impressions because I think that's my biggest downside. So do you want, do you want to move on you to do, our... You want to do ours or do you want to do uh, the scouts? Let's talk about what we thought since it kind of dovetails in a little bit pretty well. Um, so for me, since you mentioned the Yak, he has none. He has he has no ability in my in my in the current estimation of who he is as a player. I think the biggest red flag for me, the hands aren't supernatural. Like I said, he body catches sometimes. He double he double catches. He lets the ball slip through his hands and then grips it to his body in several clips. As you you can go find online in his highlights. Like even when he catches it, it's not always clean. His hands aren't supernatural. He does have a very big catch radius and is able to catch it outside of his frame. And there's plenty of that on tape. Like of him plucking the ball out of the air nicely. So that's good. I just don't think it's always the most natural thing to him to catch the ball. The biggest red flag for me is he has really poor contact balance and yards after catch ability. Um, And I worry about the ceiling of a tight end in this kind of offense. Um, 
where the where they can't do much with the ball in their hand because you see a lot of the, about a lot of the time like how many times have we seen like them run like essentially the little like leak out to the tight end or just like a little tight end dump off where they're supposed to turn up the field and go and he's getting anytime someone touches his ankle he's going down anytime someone bumps him he's going down anytime someone gets a hand on him he's going down he the turf monster got him multiple times on clips that i'm watching like where he just turns up field and he just he his legs just go out from under him because he doesn't have balance and so it's like this this is a guy who fun fact was an alpine skier like like a very high level skier and so you would think the balance would be better, but it's it's pretty bad. Like even non-contact balance, his balance is bad. And those are my main negatives. There are a lot of positives yeah. though in terms of my impressions of him. Um, I feel like personally he could immediately step into the Lazard role on offense day one. Um, just in the idea that he could be just like before he's even adapted to taking a lot of inline snaps. I think he could be essentially a big receiver who can block pretty well in the run game when given a chance to like be on the move as a move blocker. I think he struggles a little bit when he has to kind of like sit and anchor and like move a guy. But when he's like moving and has some momentum, he's pretty good at like turning a guy and getting him out of the lane. And so I think he could be a big receiver who comes down in condensed sets, who can block a little bit and be more dynamic in the passing game than Lazard was um, on day one. He's really smooth, especially like when he's like, even when he has his hand in the dirt and when he's like, when he's standing up, he is smooth off the line of scrimmage, which I know is something we usually talk more about with defensive players is their, their quickness off the line of scrimmage, but he definitely has it. Like he is snapping up out of like a three point stance very quickly on offense. Like he is getting into his route very quickly and linebackers are not going to be ready for how quickly he's getting up to top speed with them. Um, those are my big like big positives. Um, someone he gets comp to a lot is is like a Darren Waller. He's not quite like as beefy as Darren Waller, and maybe he can pack some muscle on. He's well, a lot he's thinner. Hev- he's heavier than Waller was coming. He's out. probably like two inches taller though. No. Oh, then come then Waller was coming out. Yes, but not then like Waller now. Yes, Waller. Yeah, well, so he's heavier than Waller is coming out. The height is very similar, I think. Yeah, Darren Waller. Oh, yeah, he's a, he's a little thinner, but you know, I don't know what it is, or at least coming out he was, but for some reason, Darren Waller just looks beefier than him. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. It's, I, maybe it's the leg length. I, he just looks a little lankier than Waller, a little more, a little more awkward than Waller, but those are my main takeaways. I think, I think he, like I said, I think he could be like Lazard day one, um, impact. Um, he maybe not quite as good a blocker as Lazar, but I don't think he's as bad a blocker as some people say. Like some people were saying he could solely play F tight end, which is like the type of guy who plays mostly like a slot receiver essentially. Um, but I think he could, he could come down the, the Packers have said, and we'll talk about that. They want to play him kind of all over the place. Um, which I think he could, he could probably do at some point, but that's going to take some time. And I think day one, he could, he could definitely come down as he could play like a big receiver type role. Right. Play a big slot role. And, and so one thing, I would say about him is like you talk about his testing matches his tape in terms yes. of get off speed, getting off the line. He's got a great 10 yard split and great um, vertical and broad jump. Yeah. So it's just, he's got really good zero to movement ability. Um, so, and so it shows up on the tape as well as in the testing. So that's like good to reinforce that and see that he can actually should be able to do that at a high level. 
what I saw is I really like the way he moves without the ball. He looks very smooth. He even looked really smooth in the and, clips in, in, in rookie camp, you know, inside where they're running through the drills. It's like, oh, yeah, that guy is accelerating and changing direction very smoothly. Emphasis on without the ball. Yes. Uh, what I'd like to see is maybe what they need to do with him is get him the ball on the movement space. So he's in move. Yeah. So he's. And and uh, which is something this audience, this this audience, this offense should be able to do. Hey, audience, is something you could do. It's something the the Packers offense should be able to do is have a find players in open space and run it. Maybe not the best idea for him to be getting the ball with his back to the defense. No, and then turning and running in the uh, the classic Tunyon Deguara um, manner. And the, to be fair. They're not particularly good at that either. And I don't think it's a particularly great way to run offense is getting your tight end the ball with his back to the defender coming down on him. Uh, yeah, <laughs> except for like if you like in the end zone, however. Yes, well, obviously. But no, but, I, yeah. I see what you're saying about getting him the ball on the move because there are times in like at his time at Oregon State where they did get the ball essentially with him going horizontally across the formation and he's able to turn it up the field. Once a guy gets to him, he's going down. But that's probably the right. best way he's getting yards after the catch right now is he's just turning and just and just not having to slow down and not having you to worry scheme, about juking you anyone. scheme him space and then let him use his speed in open space rather yeah. than having him try to break tackles. He's not a tackle breaker. I he's, not, he's not breaking tackles. He's not... Uh, he's he is Jason Witten levels. Like, do you remember the, the, the... What was it? The year that Jason Witten for the Cowboys had less than like a yard less than how tall he was yards after catch. So like he could literally fall down forward. Yes. Yes. But, but that, the thing is, it's like, he, he really goes, he goes down. So e- like comically easily, almost like, like yeah. the one, but I, I do yeah, feel like he's moving various. So the other thing is, I agree that he was a better, when I watched the tape of him, I thought he was a be- he was a better blocker than I expected based yes. on the race and what I'm hearing. He's like, oh man, this guy's gonna be a terrible blocker. Or you could never have him in line. But no, he, he was putting in effort. He was getting in the right position a bunch of the time. And he was, I think, reasonably actually possible downfield. Yeah. Block. No, I, I thought he, he was... was a, bit, I don't know how, you know, holding up in terms of pass. But... Not in, not in my estimation. <laughs> so that doesn't seem like that's gonna be a thing. But his ability to... Um, you know, find find somebody to block downfield to, to open running lanes. Yeah, and he's not going to drive anyone. Gonna be that terrible. He's not going to drive anyone off their spot. But I think he's got enough functional strength when he has momentum to at least wall them off and open a lane. Like he's not going to pile pancake anyone. He's not going to pile drive anyone. He's not going to push anyone downfield. But he, he'll he'll open a lane like on the move. Yeah. One thing he's got to work a little bit better on is. Maintaining his block after he's initially in position and has got his hands on the guy, and not let his the person he's blocking um, shed him, and then you know go to the one side or the other to make the tackle. Yeah, that's something he's got to work on. Is is trying to maintain the block. Um, otherwise, I say it looked like he was going to have a as we talked about a big breakout year this year before the injury. That he he talked about how hard he worked and maybe came back a little too early. Um, for the senior bowl, though uh, his speed, uh, his, his uh, time speed seemed to indicate he was doing okay at the senior bowl. And he had like a lot of people were raving around about him around the week of the senior bowl. So it's definitely he was one of the stories. He and uh, a few other players were the like, the story of of the senior bowl. 
Yeah. And, I mean, he was someone that, as we get to it here, a lot of scouts were very high on. Um, so if we can just go to a couple of scout quotes here. Uh, Dane Brugler of The Athletic had him as his 29th overall player, uh, his third tight end. Um, quote, an impressive size-speed athlete, Musgrave runs like a gazelle. And his lacrosse and skiing backgrounds translate to football with his core strength and hip fluidity as both a pass catcher and blocker. He blocks with outstanding body control and leverage to be a physical edge setter and engage defenders at the second and third levels, although he still needs to improve his sustained skills and steadiness as a pass blocker. Overall, Musgrave must continue to build up his football resume and overall consistency, but he is a high-level athlete with the route running and blocking talent to be a productive starting combo tight end in the NFL. Daniel Jeremiah, Daniel Jeremiah of NFL Network had him as his 38th uh, player uh, in tight end four. Quote, Musgrave is sudden in his release and is a weapon running down the seam. He pulls away from second-level defenders and can naturally high-point the football. He is more of a home-run hitter than an option route player at this point in his development. He is consistent catching balls on his frame, but he struggles to reel in low passes when on the move. After the catch, he has the speed to pull away. He is a willing blocker and can effectively shield wall off at the point of attack. Overall, Musgrave isn't polished and he's missed time, but he has the potential to emerge as the top tight end in the class. Kuiper Adam is his 40th overall player, tight end five, and PFF had him as, this, as their 49th player, tight end five. Um, anything from these scouts stand out? I think the thing that we haven't yet touched on that um, I think is important is his ceiling. And a lot of people have said that, I think uh, Nate, uh, Nate Tice of The Athletic has said this, I think uh, Brugler, like we said, no, uh, Jeremiah, like we said, a lot of people had him as having the highest ceiling of any tight end in this class. And that he had the potential to be tight end one in this class. Yes. And I, I liked him better when you, and we talked about this earlier in the off, off season about going for traits and upside yes. for tight ends. And this was something than, I, rather I, than production. This is something I meant to bring up earlier, and I'm glad you brought it up now. But I think my big takeaway from them taking these two tight ends is that I'm just so excited they decided that athleticism was the way to go because everyone in the NFL knows you pick athletic tight ends except the Packers the past few years. I'm glad they finally realized that, hey, athleticism is more important than production for the tight end position. Like, it's just so much more important. Right. And I also think, you know, as we talk about, because it's hard to predict which tight end is going to hit that they actually doubled up at a, at, at athletic tight end in this draft when tight end was such a need. And I was pretty sure they're going to pick two. I thought they might even pick three, but yeah. though they only, they though they went with two in the end. They they are higher on Tyler Davis than I am. So, or, 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 De, or DeGuara. I'm higher on DeGuara than Davis <laughs> easily. Yeah. I mean, maybe maybe it's Deguara that the, I own. is barely a tight end. Like, really, this is true. He's not. He's not really. He's a, a tight different. End. He's a different position. You're not. You're not lining him up in line too often. No, and and like I thought, Deguara had a very nice year last year. Um, but this man's got no juice as a receiver. Like he's. I, I'd he's like a to blocker. see him get more chances. We'll see what happens. I've 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 seen him with the ball in his hands. I've I've seen it. I, I, I'm good. Yeah, you I'm remember all right. uh, that, that touchdown he scored? Uh, from, is that the, was that the longest touchdown pass of uh, Jordan Love's career? I think the Watson one is technically longer. Is that one longer? Okay. Yeah. But I know the one you're talking about, and I'm good. I'm all right. Thank you, though. <laughs> um, is there anything? Oh, yes. We had. Uh, is there anything else from the scouts? Oh, the other thing was his ability to stretch the seam that we hadn't talked about. 
Uh, that's exciting because we haven't had a middle of the field threat in what feels like a very long time. And the yeah, ability to we'll stretch the seams. Over the middle now. Yes. And especially with, I think, Rodgers, obviously, ex- like, all-time quarterback, but did not have a proclivity to attack the middle of the field. And maybe Love, with a weapon who is more designed to attack that seam, will be more willing to do it. Um, in terms of Musgrave, though, we're kind of getting down to the last of it. The Packers seem very excited about him as well. Um, but we have some quotes from them that we're going to read at the end because they're kind of about both of the tight ends. Right. Um, uh, Gudikins has a few quotes, but he mostly talked about them together. So we'll yeah, we'll put those after we've talked about both players. Is there um, anything else? Of, uh, from... Well, there's the, the the pick and whether we think it was like a smart pick at the time or not. So I think I think 100 yes. 42. He was the fourth tight end taken, and we think maybe he could end up being the best, the number one. The next tight ends taken were Schoonmaker at 58. Um, by the Strange. Cowboys, Brenton Strange yeah. by the Jags at 61, and then the Packers again with Kraft at 78. Yeah. Other players that we we kind of liked that they could have picked at the time were Joe Tipman if you wanted a center, if we wanted to do, yeah, if you wanted competition for Myers, or Quan Martin or Brian Branch if you wanted to get a safety, or Keanu Benton if you wanted to get a, a D tackle at that point. There would have been players that I think we've except for maybe Brian Branch, almost never mocked him to the Packers. Yeah. So when he goes this, but that was when he was mostly going in the first round. It's like, no, I was never going to pick him in the first round. Um, but you could say that the Packers needed to rebuild their tight end room. This was a, an historic class of tight ends. So better to get extras of the high end players than extra of the lower end players. If you yes. say you wanted to get a couple safeties. Yeah. And I think and looking save, at save getting safe, doubling up on safety for a good safety class. Yeah. And I think looking at who was there, the only one that I really think would be interesting to me in terms of the ones we have listed here is probably Benton, uh, Keanu Benton, D tackle out of Wisconsin. But good. they, they also could have gone with a receiver like, uh, though they picked one a few picks later. Um, not the one I was really thinking of at this point to buy it. Yeah. And the thing is like, we needed more weapons for love. And like I said, I think that was a priority in this draft and I'm glad that it was a priority in this draft. Anything else on Musgrave you wanted to touch on or should we hop over to craft? Let's hop on over to craft. Okay. So the next, uh, not the next pick the Packers took, they took Jaden Reed at 50, but we're going to talk about him when we talk about some receivers. We wanted to talk about the tight ends in conjunction with each other. Uh, but the next t- one they took was Tucker Craft, who is the same age as he's like two Luke months Musgrave. younger or something like yeah, that. Yeah, he's very close to the same age, going to be 22 to start the year. Um, tight end out of South Dakota State, pick 78 for the Packers in the third round. Um, my initial reaction to this pick was I was actually really excited about the second investment at tight end, uh, mostly because what it meant for the offense, because it kind of let uh least the idea that they're gonna look at more 12 and 22 and heavy personnel sets which i think is just like more of a true like what matt lafleur wants to do on offense and so i was just excited what it like for what it meant as the for the offense as a whole uh and just like more heavier sets um the ability to like essentially get into a heavy formation run if the defense is in a lighter lighter formation with like a nickel or a dime personnel throw the ball if they match heavy with heavy, um, just like the ability to be more versatile out of heavy sets and pass out of two tight end sets was really exciting to me. And the ability to have two dynamic tight ends and craft is right. very dynamic, which we'll touch on in a second He's, on the right. field at the same time is very exciting. What were your initial thoughts? 
Well, so the idea that they have could have two tight ends who could do everything on the field at the same time as they develop, maybe not year one, but players who could block and go out for a pass. So they have every kind of play on the table while they're out there to take advantage of whatever the um, mismatches are. My, one of my first reactions was that I was happy the Cowboys and Jags picked Schoonmaker and Strange who I didn't yes. like nearly as much as I liked Kraft. I was yeah. shocked when I saw those picks. Like Kraft, I think, could be the best tight end in this entire class. Schoonmaker and Strange, like, oh yeah, I was interested in them as a second possible tight end in the fifth round if they had picked one of these top five guys in round two. But you were man, I was stunned that they that Schoonmaker and Strange went before Kraft. And you were talking to me about possibly taking Kraft with one of our second round picks when we were talking about the draft leading yes. up to it. I was thinking like, okay, let's double up and get like Laporta and Kraft or Musgrave and Kraft or Kincaid and Kraft um, and with Kraft being one of the second round picks. Yeah. So I was really happy when he lasted all the way to 78. Yeah, I was also surprised he lasted all the way and I'm not going to complain. But let's talk a little bit about who he is as a prospect and let's start that off with the athletic profile like we did with Musgrave. Kraft is also an elite athlete at the tight end position. Uh, with a 9.68 relative athletic score, 32 and three quarters length, uh, three, 32 and three quarter inch arms, 10 inch hands, so massive hands, very big arms. He's six four and a half, essentially, 254 pounds, so a little beefier than Musgrave. Same weight, right. but two inches shorter. He's well, about 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 one inch shorter, one inch and yeah. quarter. I mean, one I'm and sorry. a quarter. One in one and an eighth shorter. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Six eighth inches. Yes. So, so six, four and three quarters uh, in height. 23 reps on the bench, 34 inch vertical, which is like in the 74th percentile for tight ends. 10 foot broad, which is elite. Uh, 4.6940, which is elite. Uh, elite uh, 20 and 10 yard splits as well. A 4.29 shuttle, which is elite. And then a 7.083 cone, which is above average uh, to very good. Some of his athletic comps based on RAS are also Travis Kelsey. Dallas Goddard, his uh, another South Dakota State alum, another Jackrabbit. Kevin Brock out of Rutgers in 09. Dalton Keene out of Virginia Tech in 2020, who's someone I was very high on who has struggled to stay on the field for the Patriots. And then Drew Sample out of Washington in 2019 um, are all athletic comps for him. Um, if yeah. you put in his Pro Day 40, however, which was a 4.63, and you put in his uh, Pro Day 20-yard split and Vert, which was a 36.5, uh, yeah, it's so actually the vert, all the way. Like you could you could trust the vert. Yes, although it, did they weigh him also at the pro day? Is the question like he might have dropped some weight, been able to jump a little higher? You never know. But if you put that stuff in, he has a nine point nine RAS, which is even better. Um, per playerprofiler.com, he has an 80th percentile speed score, 68th percentile burst score, 73rd percentile catch radius with an 84th percentile spark X score, overall athletic, uh, athleticism score of a 112.2, and the comp is Logan Thomas, who played tight end for Washington for a very long time, has been a very good player for them. Um, so another elite athlete at the tight end position, not quite as good of an athlete as Musgrave. Uh, Musgrave's kind of a one-on-one athlete in this tight end class, but still one of the better athletes at tight end that has come into the draft in the past few years. Um, definitely something to be excited about there with the Packers, like we said, banking on athleticism at this position. Anything in the athleticism that you wanted to talk about, Dad, before we move on to uh, some production stuff? So one thing I'd just touch on a little bit in terms of, let's say, two two contrasts with Musgrave. So his 10-yard split, while still elite, is not quite as good 
as Musgraves. Musgraves was like top of the chart almost. Um, but Kraft's agility is better. And that kind of shows up on tape as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Kraft is elite for one of the for the shuttle. You know, 70, what, 78th percentile on the three cone, while Musgrave was more like in the his, his shuttle was just a little bit above average compared to Craft's um, shuttle, which is elite. So that might give us a little bit of uh, context for how Craft looks on the field compared to Musgrave in in certain things. And we, then we get onto the the usage. He like Musgrave lined up a bit all over, but he was more heavily weighted to in line than slot. Though still had a lot of slot snaps, maybe about a third slot versus two thirds in line. And I think if I look just kind of eyeballing it, Musgrave was probably more like 55, 45 in line to, to slot. Um, He didn't for this, this most recent year, his receiving grade is 76.6. 2021 was even better. That was an 80, his overall grade was 85, was 85.0. His yards per route run was still, you know, in the elite level, but at 2.32, but not like crazy off the charts like uh, Musgraves was in the two games he played. He played more games this year. He played nine, and he's had more total production than Musgraves. Oh, and I should say, um, he, he had only he had two drops this year, and his drop rate is only like 6.9 percent this year, yeah. so a little better than than Musgraves. And he is someone usage wise who was used a lot more as more of a traditional tight end, a Y tight end in line blocking a lot more used like all Musgrave blocked in the run game a lot, but, but Kraft was asked more to come down three, like hand in the dirt, actually like blocking. I mean, and you can tell he's about, he's a lot beefier guy. He's a lot, he's got a wide he body. He just looks, thick. He's, you look at he's those highlights. Like, he body. looks like a thick boy out there. Yes. T-H-I double C. T-H-I double Q. As double I like Q. to say. <laughs> and, uh, and his run blocking grade was better. It was like 69.6, almost 70, as opposed to Musgraves, which was, you know, 54. Yeah. Um, and his yards after, so so one thing that, a couple things that, he's had more production because he's been a more featured part of the offense over his career. So he's had 1,211 yards on 99 receptions. So 12.2 yards per catch and 37.8 yards per game. And over the last two years, so you kind of, the freshman year, he had like one target or something or one, very little, and then and not so much the second year, but the last two years, averaged forty six point seven yards per game. Yeah, and that's over twenty four games, so that's a lot and, of games, a lot of production. So he's been, and even with w- the fact that it's a lower level of competition at the FCS level, he's still dominating. He is a man among boys. He looks, there. he looks so much better than everyone on the field. <laughs> like yeah. he looks so much better. So he what, is what, dunking on these guys. Yes. Uh, one thing I was not able to find out is how many targets he's getting. So I don't know what his catch percentage was. I was able to get that for Musgrave. So I don't know like what percent of the balls coming his way he's actually able to reel in. Um, another thing that's different is yards after catch per reception. Per yeah. This 7. is the biggest thing. 7.7. Compared, yeah. if you compare that to Musgrave's, uh, what was that? Two, 3.5. So more than twice as many yards after the catch per reception yeah, for Kraft compared to Musgrave. And you and can see it in the way they play. tackles forced. 
Yes. That's the most exciting thing to me about Kraft is what he's able to do with the ball in his hands. Now, one thing we should say that Musgrave's depth of target was much um, Mm -hmm. farther. It was over 12 yards downfield as opposed to – so it was almost twice as far. Yeah, and I was going to mention – Because you don't expect as much yak on passes downfield. This is true. And and I was going to make a point of that and that their usage was different because Kraft was getting schemed up screens. He was getting tunnel screens. They were just trying to get him the ball any way they could. Like they were dumping it off to him and just saying, go get it. Like they weren't doing that as much with Musgrave. He was, he wasn't really a focal point of the offense until this year. And like we said, he was only able to play two games because of injury. And something to be said with Kraft is he was also dealing with an ankle injury during this past year. Uh, with South Dakota State. He was able to come back, I think, for the championship. Um, but I think he missed several games due to an ankle injury, yeah, if I he, remember he correctly. Yeah, t- there were some quotes from him about, uh, you know, or in reference to him about tr- working to get back in time for their end-of-season games. And did yeah. they win? Did they win the t- championship? They did. They did win the they, championship. Yeah, they, I believe they beat they North finished, Dakota State. They finished ahead in North Dakota State this year um, yeah. in, in, the, in conference as well. And something to be said about him competing at the FCS level, which I'm sure a lot of you have already heard, but if you haven't, Alabama tried to lure this guy away this past this past um, college Apparently, offseason. he was offered like six figures. Six-figure NIL deal, and he turned it down because he's from South Dakota, and he like wanted to stay close to home and stay with the, t- the, the college that put their faith in him, and he wanted to finish out his college career there. But Alabama saw the talent, and they were like, hey, Come on here. We'll give you a big bucket of money. Um, and he stayed. So that's something to show like, hey, a lot of people at the college level knew how good this guy was. And he was it. you hear uh, uh, Ross Uglum and uh, Jake Morley, I think it is, uh, who are big North Dakota State fans were like, hey, this guy was a problem playing against. was killing us. You know, yes. as, they're saying us as North Dakota State fans. Yeah. Because uh, those are big rivals, if you didn't know, the Dakotas. Um, but yeah, so he's a really exciting player. Did you have anything more for production, or should we talk a little bit about what we thought of him? Because I'm raring to talk about this guy, because I'm honestly more excited about him than I am about uh, Musgrave. And the only thing that's keeping me from getting more excited is the Packers' third-round curse. Shh. <laughs> we won't knock on wood. We just won't tell, tell him about that. Exactly. Um, so yeah, let's for- get into our personal thoughts. Yeah, like I said, I was more excited about him than Musgrave. Um, to me, I think yak ability, especially in this offense where you're getting the tight end, the ball in space, is really important. Um, and man, this guy does not go down easy. Uh, and I know he's playing like against guys that were not as big as uh, Musgrave uh, was playing against in the Pac-12. Uh, but he is fighting for every yard. They're, like I said, giving him tunnel screens. They're just getting him the ball and saying, "Go, go get us a first down. I mean, his play strength is just super exciting because he's jump he's jumping through guys, he's bursting through the goal line, he is breaking tackles, stiff arms, carrying guys down the field. I mean, it's it's just awesome to watch it. He's he is a fun player to watch play, like like just yeah, fun if you to watch. Like in some ways, it's a little bit old school football. If you like broken tackles and crashing into people and knocking them over and staying on your feet, then you're gonna like. Uh, I don't want to say it, but. If you, he looked like Gronk amongst the FCS competition. Like he looks like Gronk. I have my notes in here. Take it away. Take it away. Take away your notes. So I was really excited. The Packers took 
two tight ends in the end. I thought maybe I wasn't sure. I thought it was because they either go two in the first two days or one on day two and one on day three. Um, Mr. Kraft, I think he has the potential to be the top tight end in this class. He looks a lot thicker and stronger on tape than Musgrave did when you look at their highlights. And he has just so much better contact balance and tackle breaking ability right now, as we talked about. And you probably guys have heard for the last couple of years, and maybe they talked about during this draft about how um, Meyer for Notre Dame had the nickname Baby Gronk. If anybody looks like Baby Gronk to me in this draft, is this guy. It's Tucker Craft. Yeah. And so if you really want to drink some like serious full strength Kool Aid, Musgrave is Kelsey and Kraft is Gronk. And that's what we're getting this year, right? That's what we're getting this year, right? Why One not? Each? Why not? I, you know, I think Musgrave is a little more like Waller personally, but you know, to each their own. Yeah, he could be a little more like Waller. <laughs> Waller's, Waller, and Waller's kind of like the big receiver tight end. Yes. And, um, and and Waller's the player they've been trying to trade for for the past couple of years. So that's clearly that. why they took Musgrave. And so I think also think that you know, because of what we, some of the we talked about, the, the, the tackle break, I think Kraft could be a fan favorite very quickly. Yes. And you may have seen him tweeting about, there's a Culver's at every exit as he's driving oh, yes. cross country for, for rookie camp. Well, you know, and for me. Quote, the other, you see the other quote? No, go ahead. That. I think it was interviewed after the draft. I think this is at the draft. Um, being able to score my first touchdown at Lambeau Field and take the Lambeau Leap, that's something every single Bears fan in the nation will hate and something that I'll be able to do on my own. And so that's, that's I he's, think, something <laughs> that's he's a funny Packers guy. fan are going to appreciate. Well, you know, he in my, my estimation, to be a truly great tight end, you have to look like a frat star. This is right. This Travis Kelp. Travis Kelsey, this is my own personal theory. Travis Kelsey, clearly a frat star. Darren Waller, looks like a frat star. Uh, Rob well, Gronkowski, we the, clearly a frat say, star. You know who the president of that frat is, right? <laughs> it's, it's Gronk. It's Gronk. Gronk, clearly a frat star. Um, and, and the list goes on. I mean, Mark Andrews looks like he'd be in a frat. All these guys looks like they'd be in a frat. And no one looks like they'd be in a frat more than Tucker Craft. I mean, his official Packers photo, he is wearing a backwards baseball cap. I mean, what was it? Someone was joking that him and Musgrave are going to be the beer pong captain, like captains of the Packers <laughs> this coming year. They're going to be the duo, duo running the, running the team. Uh, but no, it's, it's hilarious. And I, I fully believe in this, in this frat. <laughs> this frat metric, frat star metric, right, and how that you was something we got to put in like the frat metric. The frat metric is that does that go under? Uh, I'm you telling know, you, uh, all these, all these physical guys, profi- physical profile. Is, is yeah, sure, physical frat, profile frat I mean, metric, frattiness, you know. But no, he's he's just a really exciting player. And here's what some scouts, I mean, some scouts so are really high on him too. How many games of beer pong do you think you've played in exactly. the last four years on a on a scale of? <laughs> But I mean, you heard him at the. He accidentally called like uh, a woman asked him a question. He said, uh, uh, "Yes, sir," and he was like, "Oh, yes, ma'am. Sorry, I've had a I've had a couple drinks waiting for my name to be called." Did you Did you hear that quote I on his uh, conference call? I didn't actually call? watch the quote, but I did. Read oh, about it, was, it. it was funny. He's he's gonna be a fan favorite for sure. Um, but some scouts are really high on him too. Uh, Dane Brugler of the Athletic um, had him as his fifty first overall player, tight end five. Uh, as quote, as a pass catcher, Kraft is an outstanding catch and go creator with fluid adjustment skills and balanced feet. As a blocker, he might not be polished, but he gets after it with the body control and desire to sustain and finish blocks. Overall, Kraft needs development time to refine his route running and blocking techniques, but he is big, strong, and athletic with the ball skills and blocking tenacity to evolve into an NFL starter. 
Uh, Daniel Jeremiah had him 56th overall, tight end 6th. Mel Kuyper had him 76th overall, tight end 6th. And then PFF had him 74th overall, tight end 6th with the quote, quote, Kraft is a raw physical athlete who possesses all the traits evaluators are looking for in a tight end. Has an excellent combination of size and speed, but can definitely improve as a route runner. So I think the main takeaway is, while he is really good with the ball in his hands, he's not as pure of a receiver as Musgrave is in terms of, like, running routes and stuff. But that's something you work on, and I think something with more schemed-up touches and a more in an offense that's looking to get him the ball, I think won't necessarily be as big of a problem. Yeah, so if we want to... One thing I was going to maybe jump from those evaluations to talk then about... The- the pick value. So he was the number seven tight end, and the scouts in terms of where like we, in, yeah, in terms of where we in took the draft, him. yeah. And so the scouts have him as the fifth or sixth best tight end. Yeah, and he and, went, and he went number seven. So you can say there's value there. And then, and the next tight end taken after him was Darnell Washington, who was hurt and dropped, I think, below what people expected. So I think we got him like I would say two tight end, two tight ends later. Yeah. Then what? I don't think scouts, anyone two or three later than the scouts are predicting. No one I saw had either Schoonmaker or Strange ahead of him. No, and I, he. So that, I mean, we took him at what seventy eight, I believe. Um, yeah, seventy eight. And the lowest of those that I was just saying had him at seventy six, um, and the highest had him all the way at fifty one. So I think any way you cut it, you we got great value with the pick. And there yeah. are some other players that were certainly available, which we can go over now. But to me, I'm I'm excited to be running more heavy sets and heavy personnel. Yeah. Um, and, and looking at players that we offense. had been talking about as possibilities, if they wanted to... Darnell Washington, though there were reasons why other teams had passed on him. If you want to get running back this early, which I didn't want to get this early, you could have gotten Tajay Spears. Um, receiver you could have had at this point, Josh Downs, though a little, I think a little small for the kind of receiver they like. And the fact and, they already took kind of a smaller receiver at 50 with Jaden Reed. Right. They had already picked one in Jaden Reed, who we didn't talk about today, but we can talk about next time. Safety, Jair Brown, we liked. But again, we're talking about a loaded position in the draft versus a down year for a position in the draft or at a Tamiwa Adamare uh, edge slash um, D lineman. So we like, but he ended up going quite a bit later than we expected. So yeah. I and I'm I'm excited by by the pick here overall. I think we looking at who you know players we were thinking about could have been taken or we might have taken at this point. I think this is the guy. Yeah, it, for me it would be between him and Adabare. Um, yeah. But I think what I I think what I said when they picked him actually I think I was on the phone with some buddies and I was like, ooh, a second tight end. Uh, I was <laughs> I'm just excited by the prospect. Like I said, excited by the prospect of running two tight end sets. Like heavy personnel is going to be really exciting with this team. And just the variety of things you can run out of heavy personnel, especially if Kraft can be the blocker that he was at South Dakota State. Um, is there anything else you wanted to say about Kraft before we kind of wrap this episode up? We're getting a little long on time. So the only thing we have left to say is like uh, Packers quotes about them. Oh, yes. And the two combined. So we, there are a few quotes from Gutekunst after the draft. Maybe, maybe this is just way too much. He said he wasn't overly concerned about their injury histories and suggested that may have explained why they were even available for the Packers to take them. He said they're both all-around tight ends that can do that can kind of do everything. They're not pigeonholed into only being able to be a receiving tight end or a blocking tight end. They can do it all. They both have very good spot size, very good speed, so I'm excited. I do think their best football is ahead of them for different reasons, but I think they will complement each other and they'll be a good fit for 
um, for a room that we are already, that we already have. They are really good compliments to each other. Like they kind of do what each of them is like, not quite like got kind of more traditional inline guy with craft, got a bit more of a flex tight end, a bigger receiver type who can kind of come down and play a little bit of inline in Musgrave. It's, it's exciting to think about what they're able, what they will be able to do together on the field together, assuming they can stay healthy. Cause that is a big question with both of them. And I think they both would have gone a lot higher if they had been healthy this past year. Yep. I agree. So, I'm excited. I think a lot of Packers fans are going to be excited. I think the Packers picked a good year to rebuild the tight end room. Definitely. One of the best tight end classes in a while. And, I mean, we see that with how high tight ends win this draft. And this is – and and in contrast to other years, like, like, okay, we want to get some of these elite guys and miss out on them like we did for the receivers a couple years ago. This year, we were able to get them. I was getting a little nervous, actually. Beginning of the second round. When Laporta when and then Mayer went Laporta right back went to back. Back to back. It's like, crap, it's going to be a run on tight ends now. It's going to happen again. We're excited about getting some of these top guys, and then they're all going to disappear. But they managed to last until the Packers picked. And then one of them even lasted until they picked in the third round. Yeah, it's very exciting. And the draft as a whole, I think, has been very exciting. And if you're interested about hearing more about it, we're going to break down even more prospects in the coming weeks. We're going to try and do two to three prospects in every episode. So if you like what you heard here, come hit that subscribe button. We're everywhere you can find podcasts, Spotify, Apple, Google, YouTube. We have our podcast there. Hit our subscribe button there. We'd really appreciate it. Help our numbers. Come give us a follow on Twitter at Father Son Packer. We tweet out when we have new episodes and anything else you might find interesting, whether that be news, articles, notes, etc. Thanks so much for listening. And Dad, do you have anything else you wanted to add before we uh, bid bid farewell to our dear listeners? I think that's it. All right. Until next time. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.